0: welcome to another episode of pastor dale walker's leadership podcast we look forward to having you join us on this journey in learning how to become leaders that lead like jesus remember to like share and subscribe to dale walker on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you find your favorite podcast we're on this journey to uh learn how to be led by god as a lifestyle and I, i think by way of review We believe that hearing from God is not this once-in-a-lifetime Mount Sinai experience, but that it's supposed to be how we live our life. I like to say, lead your life at the speed of God's voice. Um, It's that sense of all the ways. So we listed seven ways that God wants to speak to us. He wants to give us discernment. He wants to give us assurance. He wants to give us Uh, words of peace in the middle of storms. We see that, remember that story in the Bible where Jesus said, peace. (laughs) Anybody ever have a heart that was a storm? And then Jesus just came. Uh, Psalms uh, 107.20 says that he'll send his word and heal us. And I shared a little Sunday about my mom's healing. Besides her back, she was healed of glaucoma. And in the middle of this service, she's literally was going blind and God began to speak to her. And she, she said, Lord, where are you? And he said, I'm right here. Uh-huh. Where? I'm here in the pain. Jesus, you can't be in pain. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, yes, I am. I'm in the pain, but there's no pain in me. And then he just said, you're healed. Whoa. And uh, instantly she was, she was healed. And, and I just want you to know, and my parents got another 20 years of ministry. They were about to have to leave the ministry because of her blindness. But what I want you to hear is at any moment, God could just speak. And if we're listening, it could change the whole course of our lives. And so that's why this is so important. Um, in your notes, if you see that verse, Isaiah 50, verse four, Could we just read this out loud? This is like a declaration. So let's read it together. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. So that's a new identity verse for you. Every morning you say, my ear just woke up. (laughs) Uh, Holy Spirit, the ears of my heart are tuning in to you today. What do you want to say? Remember the words of uh, Isaiah the prophet? Speak, Lord, for your servant is this. That's Samuel, I guess, but uh, Isaiah said it too. Anyhow, um, what happens when we hear his word? I mentioned that we're healed. Number two, oceans part. <laughs> uh, remember, Jesus says, Peter, throw your nets. Well, we tried. We didn't catch anything. yet. Yeah, but now I've spoken the word. <laughs> and when I lead you... Anybody know the difference between doing something because you're leading yourself and then when God leads you? Yeah. <laughs> One time you catch nothing and the next time it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, Galatians 5.16 says, If you are led by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the sinful desires of your flesh. Isn't that a powerful thought? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got these battles going on. I've got these battles going on. How do, I, how do I stomp out anger, lust, or whatever? He says just you listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll give you the alternative plan for, the, for, for what you're being tempted in. I love this verse. Hearing God's voice gives you wisdom. Uh, Luke 21, 15. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Isn't that a great verse? Luke 21, 15. I will give you wisdom. So if you ever go to court... <laughs> If you ever uh, have a t- difficult conversation, just say, God, I'm about to hear from you some wisdom that no one can refute. He'll give you rest. I love the verse of Matthew 11:30. His yoke is easy. What is he saying? God wants to give you rest. I-, I put in your notes, most chronic stress is attempting to do more than the Holy Spirit is leading you. <laughs> And I don't know, but I'm guilty of that. Uh, but once I start doing more than the Holy Spirit is leading me, I start to use my flesh. I start to burn out. I start to burn the, the wick instead of burning the oil. You know what I'm saying? And this is an incredible picture of the yoke, which is Jesus is only going to give you as much as you can handle. If you are following the Holy Spirit, you will know it because you're at inner rest. Now, for some, for some of you, you may be at rest and working harder than everybody in your company, but it won't be you doing it. But you, you will be in step. The idea of a yoke is it puts you in step with your partner, Jesus. And so he's doing the heavy lifting, right? So that's what's so incredible. Holy Spirit, before I do this job, please, I need to hear from you. Um, am I in the right timing? <laughs> Is there something I'm supposed to do? Uh, I don't know about you, but I get ahead of Jesus sometimes. <laughs> it, it gets stressful as i all get up. Do I need to slow down a little bit? Do I need to wait uh, on him? Um, this means that he gives us a word for everyone in our life who needs encouragement. So Isaiah 54 said that. And we're gonna do one class just on how to give people a word from God, how to give a prophetic word, how to give an encouragement word. But I, I just tried to, to challenge your mindset. And that is, if the Bible says, encourage one another every day while well, it is called today, then that is God's guarantee that whoever you're with, he'll give you the ability to encourage them. And Isaiah 50 verse four says, he'll give you a tongue of the Lord. He'll, he'll give you something to say. So right now just say, Lord, I believe I have a word to encourage someone at my table tonight. <laughs> uh and, and while you're sitting there, you might just get a little whisper. You might just, just feel something. The Lord wants you to encourage them. And it could be just as simple as whatever. Uh, you know, I sure is a nice coat you're wearing. <laughs> you look stately today, whatever it is, but God'll give you something. To just build you, build each other up. So that's why I want us to start learning to get these words of encouragement flowing. Do you agree? We could use some more encouragement around here. (laughs) Um, And so what we have said is, last week, just by review, we we were talking about the different ways God speaks and using the passage in Luke 24, when Jesus uh, was on the road to Emmaus, and these two were unable to recognize him. And there was different ways he spoke. He spoke, we call it exegetically, he spoke by opening the scripture to them. He, he spoke conversationally by getting them to share their hearts with them. He spoke what we would call uh, through the communion. He spoke through the elements uh, monastically. He spoke by breaking bread. Uh, he spoke by personal revelation, a still small voice. Their heart started to to light on fire. They felt something uh, in there. And and so we started last week just talking about this idea of we will hear God if we live in conscious union with him. If we're constantly realizing he is trying to connect with me about everything. Um, He is not a far off God. He is the vine. I am the branch. Amen. We are in intimate union. Um, again, a verse in Isaiah chapter 30. Think about verse 6. It says, you will hear a voice behind you. You will have a Holy Spirit GPS signal mm-hmm. operating in the dynamic parts of your soul that says, this is the way. Walk in it or for most of it's rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. Anyhow, (laughs) there will be a leading voice. Now, have you learned to turn on your GPS? Have you learned every day to say, God, I'm intentionally checking in with you. I describe it this way. I know some people with their spouse or their best friends, they're texting all day long. (laughs) How How many times do you check in with Jesus? You know, once on Sunday or seven times a day. Um, we, I have a friend who just sets their clock and, and six times a day, just one minute, you know. Wow, it's noon. Check it in, Lord. Just love you. Just gonna be still for a minute. And, and then just be constantly aware, as we said, begin to develop disciplines. When I work out, I listen. When I cook, I listen. When I drive home, I listen. Um, I want to just say also, begin to become aware of times that you're most able to hear the Lord's voice. In fact, I like to ask this. Do you have a song list? Do you have a song or two that for you, for some reason, when you sing that song or hear that song, it helps you connect with God? I was just listening to one before I got here. I said, Lord, I want to connect with you before I share your word with my people here. And and it's such an old song, you wouldn't even know it. And that's what I like about my own list. Nobody else has to like it. <laughs> but it's just opened my eyes. I want to see Jesus, to reach out and touch him and say that I love him. So when I play that song, I start to cry and then I start to feel and all of a sudden, I'm back where I first got saved, Mm -hmm. and it's like my heart is a little flower, and it opens wide. And almost always, I get some word. So just take one minute at your table, share with someone. Is there if someone has a song that opens your heart, and how have you allowed the Lord to use a song to just tune you in? Anybody comment on that for just a moment? Uh, Some of your favorite songs. Anybody got one? (laughs) I'm sure this is. Uh, you can put it in the chat for what? Anybody have a, a song that she just really helps you connect with Jesus? <laughs> all right, there. Yes. The, the song is Goodness of God. The first of it, I love you, Lord. Yeah. And all I have to do is say that, and I'm there. I like it. Good. Someone else, what's your song? <laughs> or one of them. I Say that again. Yes, that's a powerful one. I like it. The song yeah. um, "I Choose God" from Maverick City yeah. I, I like that song. Yeah, um, that song. So will I. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And when it says, when the mountains bow <laughs> down, so I... Yeah. Always, yeah. You sing, you songs put, songs I can only imagine. And Charlene put, come Holy Spirit. And uh, we have, so will I. Those are great ones. Uh, and just in your reflection as you... How do you hear God through those songs? What are some? Just in some ways, is it just silence? Or do you sing with it? Or you put it in your headphone when you, or your ears when you... <laughs> do live in. Anybody How have a thought on that? presence is Christ's presence. I'm going to ask you another question, so I'll give you guys the quick update. Do you have a life verse? Is there one or two verses that God has spoken? Let me ask them. One more question as you finish that one, because I'm going to come to this. I believe that you, start, you should start to frame your life around certain verses. So I want to know if anyone in here has one or two, what you, I call a life verse, one or two verses that God brought to you that defined your walk that is kind of a, uh, a, a life verse. And then the other one I'm going to just tell you, because I do this every year, and if you don't, it'll be a good idea for you. What's your word of the year? Do you ask the Holy Spirit every yeah. every year, give me one word for this year? So if you have one of those, go ahead and share those two things beside your song. Anything that's sort of a life verse to you, and if you have a word for the year. Just just as a discussion real quick. I follow. Yes. Follow. I basically follow. How about you, Gadgel? Do you have, or Ian rather, do you have a song you you like to listen to a lot? <laughs> who am I, who am I, amen, amen. I love, it. I love it. Well, how about in the verses, dance twice and everything? Uh-huh. You know, I'm just in Christ this and I'm in creation, all that's done, and it's done. Beautiful. Beautiful. I want that. Yeah. How about you, Sephora? What in your life has been a verse that you feel like maybe has been an anchor verse in your life? I can't I can't really say one verse. I am trying to think I don't know why my word for the year is simplify. Simplify. Oh I like that. Simplify. You know, yeah. Beautiful. I have, I the song that's two songs resonate with me, one is Tommy Walker's Speak to Me, and the other one is "Do Not Yes, I love that. I love that. Okay, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 is a, a life verse. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Say, tell us what that is again please, yes, please. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a powerful one. My personal word was Acts 26.18 because that's the word the Lord gave me when he called me to preach and it was, you know, to, to turn them from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God. To see them in, in, in light. And so it's just that turn them from Satan to God. Acts 26.18, that's always whenever I'm wondering what I'm supposed to do, I always kind of Go back to that verse because it was uh, it was when I was 17. It was the verse God used to uh, call me to the ministry. So that was a very powerful uh, life Well, praise the Lord. Uh, Okay. it Okay. Okay, we'll we'll come back and I hope I well, I'll just share. I'll just share one while they're still talking. I I think I got something started in here, so they're really going for it. <laughs> just this week, the Lord gave me a verse, and it was uh, about the armor of God. Because someone had really criticized me, and I said, "Lord, what am I supposed to do in response?" And I felt like the Lord told me. Learn how to be bulletproof. <laughs> so that was my word this week, bulletproof. Put on the armor of God. And if you do, those those mean words will just bounce off of you. So you know, that was kind of a neat word to work in. Amen. All right. Uh, I know that you guys, I love it that you're sharing and we'll come back to that. but. On the page two today, we want to talk about the fact that the most predictable, the most common way that we hear from heaven is through the scriptures. That is God's uh, plan A. That is the most common way that he speaks. Psalms 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. That. God's Word is the illuminator to us of God's heart, what God's doing, and what God is saying to us. And I know this is pretty basic stuff, but I think there's more than maybe we've realized that He would speak to us from the Word if we would slow down. Uh, I like to say scripture in our heart is what God uses to paint a picture of revelation on our soul. But if you don't have the word in your heart, there's no paint for God to paint with, you know? Every word that you deposit from God is alive. In this verse, Hebrews 4:12, the word of God is alive and powerful. Somebody say powerful. powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires, Nothing in creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. God's word, he says, does many things. Obviously, God speaks directly through his word. But the other thing God does is we don't even realize it. But as his word comes into our soul, it illuminates us. We become more aware of of the spirit and less controlled by our circumstances, it's an inner illumination. It's one verse says it's like the sun rising in our heart. There, there's there's a, a benefit to the, the amount of scripture we read. I put another example is that the word is the is the rudder. You know, how do we make it through life? Well, we need the wind of the Holy Spirit, those whispers, but the rudder is the scripture. It's the constant. It is the solid. Uh, it is also the anchor. It is the thing. That always holds us in the right place to discern between what God is saying and what other things are, voices are coming our way. I put in another one I like is that when we memorize the word. Now, let me just give you this and it's just a secret thing. But I, I promise you that if you memorize scripture, you will hear God. Speak exponentially more to you. Amen. Uh, God's favorite language is Scripture, <laughs> and so David would say, "Your word I have hid in my heart, that I might not sin against God." What is he saying? When, when God's word is hid in our heart, it speaks to us. I'll give you a couple of examples. I was about to kind of ignore. I won't tell you all this. But, Anybody ever tempted to speed or something like? Okay, anyhow, and I just get all of a sudden, you know, Peter four says, "Obey all the ordinance of men for the Lord's sake." Where did that come from? (laughs) Well, I happen to I happen to memorize that. Somebody really ticked me off, and all of a sudden, see, this isn't very deep. All of a sudden, oh, Ephesians four twenty six, be angry but don't sin. (laughs) And then I'm about to go to sleep one night. And don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Okay, so what is that? That's God speaking to me. See, I like to say it's the sword of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit picking up something and saying, here is your word for now. Here is this word in your heart. These uh, words have been the difference in my life between, I can't tell you how many... How many failures and victories in the flesh, in the spirit. Um, I mentioned this in the sermon, my journey through depression. Literally, I think more than anything, it was one word. I said, God, I can't keep going this way. I'm going to have to quit the ministry because I I can't even think. And I can't, God, what should I know? Tell me something, God. And all of a sudden, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, this test is something common to men, but I am faithful, and I will make a way of escape for you. Wow. It didn't happen for three more months, but that moment, that one word convinced me that this was temporary, right. and immediately that became healing, and I've never had chronic depression again, but it became a word and, and I, you know, again, I like this to tell story of this missionary friend dying in Belize. And, and he says, God, what am I going to do? There's no medical help here. And God just gave him one word. 1 John 4:4. greater is he that yes, is in you. So from the moment he woke up, he went to sleep. He just kept saying, God in me is greater than this dysentery, this sickness, this disease. It cannot prevail because greater is he that is in me. <laughs> By that evening, the fever started to to wane. By the next day, he was healed. I've seen this a hundred times. God just putting that little stone in your bag for the giant that is coming in front of you. Um, Let me just comment on this. This is a very important thing. He says the spirit is like a sword and on the inside of you, it helps you to discern between the soul and the spirit. Now, what is that? We know that we are a three-part being, we are a body, we are uh, a soul which is mind and will and emotions, and we are spirit. Our spirit, if we're born again, is our true self. It is those who are joined to the Lord are one spirit. And, and this is extremely important because in two areas, When we are going through a storm, there is the reaction of our soul. I call it a reaction. (laughs) And then there is a response of our spirit. (laughs) The most common reaction of our soul is fear, anxiety, rage, anger. What do you do in the middle of, I just call it a soul storm. (laughs) My heart is disturbed, you know, David would say. My heart is overwhelmed. What do you do in that? Well, he would say, be still, my soul, Mm -hmm. and know that he is God. The discernment is that your soul is something that you have, but your spirit is who you are. So in my soul, I have fear, but who I am, who I am is Christ in me. Who I am hasn't changed at all. Who I am, he is the strength of my life. He will never leave me or forsake me. It's so huge in our identity because many times the enemy gets a foothold because we forget who we are. We start to believe we're our soul. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm just an angry, depressed person who has low self-esteem. No, those are soul reactions. Mm -hmm. But you are a new creation in Christ. Mm -hmm. You have the mind of Christ. You are the righteousness of God. And when, when you see that from the word, it reestablishes your identity. And what does that do? It takes the power of those soulish reactions. Hey, are you come on in, Mark. Good to have you. Sorry about that. Um, I just think that's a powerful thought. There's a lot more. Maybe you can think about that. We can talk about it. But knowing the difference by the word of God between the truth that's in your spirit and the feelings that are in, in your soul. So how do you begin to uh, apply this? Uh, First of all, and I'm just going to give you some word. We'll we'll unpack this later. In this story on the road to uh, to Emmaus in Luke 24, what Jesus does is so interesting. He does an expository study (laughs) of the Old Testament. Here are these guys. They're traumatized. Now, what I want you to observe is number one, Jesus doesn't try to prove who he is by his, by their experience. He could have just said, ta-da, it's me. Look, here's the, here's the nail prints. I can tell you what happened. He says, they they say what things? He says, oh, he says, I'm going to open my Bible to the book of Genesis. In Genesis 315, the Bible talks about the seed of the woman. Who do you think it is? Okay, well, let's look at Exodus. There's going to be blood. And he gets through the whole Bible. And what happens? Their eyes are open. Mm -hmm. Now, I want you to see this, that though there are many ways God speaks, the most important way he speaks is through his word. Why? Because I have seen many people have experiences in vision. And for the moment, that experience might impress them. But over time, they forget the children of Israel saw the Red Sea parted, but they forgot the one thing. And and here's I love this verse in uh, Hebrews 10, 16. It says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Do you know what God wants to do? He doesn't just want to speak to you because you can forget it. He wants to write something On your heart. He wants to tattoo your heart Mm -hmm. in a way that you won't forget it. He wants to, I I almost like to say, he wants to canonize it inside of you. It's like the Constitution. If the Constitution is just something you heard somebody say, it wouldn't have much power. But the fact that it's written, it's something that you can litigate upon. It's a settled fact. Now, what I want you to know is that whatever God may speak to you, he may speak to you through an angel, but the most important thing is find it in the word Amen. and let the truth of the word unpack that so that it not, doesn't simply become, well, I think God told me one day that I'm forgiven. Guess what? The devil's stronger than your are thinking God told you you're forgiven. But if in your word, first John. One nine says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness." Devil, I am forgiven in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That is a whole nother level of authority. When you can have a word and quote the word, I don't know if this is weird. This may not make any sense, but that. If any of you remember Indiana Jones, that what, what is that part in the movie? The guy, what is he doing? Is he got a whip or something, Indiana Jones, and he's going through all this motion? I'm going to hit you. I'm going to cut you up. I'm going to hit you. And all of a sudden, Indiana Jones just pulls out a gun. And shoots. Well, I think that's the devil sometimes. Mm-hmm. He's got all these threads. He's got all these moves. But the word of God is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love to say the Bible bullets take the devil out every time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Your karate chop may not do it. But the word of God is lethal. It is powerful. It is unstoppable. It is incredible. And, and so what I want you to see is that we, even though we fully believe the Holy Spirit can speak in multiple ways. He can speak through a whisper in our heart, through an inspiration, through a word of encouragement, a prophecy, an angel, or a vision. The most important way you'll ever hear from God is through the word. And even if you don't hear it first time through the word, go to the word. In uh, Acts 17:6, it talks about the Berean believers. And it says they were more wise than, and noble than any other people that Paul preached to. Because they did not just hear the word, but they went for themselves to see if what Paul said was true. They took the word and... And took it, not just from experience, but from, the, from the, the Lord's mouth, his word, and they took it in their heart. And that was the most powerful thing. Um, I put here, biblical explanations trump emotional or mystical encounters every time. Amen. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with you having mystical encounters, mm-hmm. but grounded in the word, mm-hmm. if that makes sense to you. Um, here, I just wanted to give this to you because to me, I, I believe these, these seven or eight areas, I want to encourage you with all my heart to memorize some scripture in. And just take, here's a few examples of it. But if, if the Lord has used these verses once, he's used them a hundred times in my life to speak to me in a moment of trial. And to empower me to have faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Sometimes hearing the word of God is mainly hearing yourself say it. Wow. It's it's when you say it, you agree, the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. God said it, but then you say it, and that settles it. So I, I wanna I wanna encourage you. Here's here's the, the Areas where I've needed to hear from God. Number one is assurance. Do I know that I'm saved? And and don't base that. Oh, I had such a wonderful encounter with the Lord at the altar, and I wept for three hours. You know what? That that may not be enough when the devil comes with all of his uh, his attacks. But Titus 35 five says we are saved not by works that we've done. Uh, you know, obviously, John one twelve. 12, who, whoever receives him, he gave the authority and right to call themselves a child of God. Yes. <laughs> um, when, you, when you get these verses, and, and there could be a, a lot more. I put Romans 10 3, I meant 10 9, I miswrote that. But if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord, I shall be saved. <laughs> See, those are, those are legal declarations. And once they're inside of you, Holy Spirit can use them. He can use them for you, but He can use them to be encouragement to someone else. Obviously, the whole area of forgiveness, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation. Yes. Can I just ask, has anyone here in the last month uh, been rolled around in your mind that you are a big disappointment to God <laughs> and that you are a loser as a Christian, that you... Uh, You just really, really, really stink at this Christian thing. (laughs) And you might as well give up. All right. Can I see two hands? All right. Can I tell you no amount of reassurance, even if your spouse tells you, no, you're really a good Christian. Not going to work. But the word of God will. It it will. If you know it in your heart, there is therefore now no condemnation. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20, I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus, you know. Uh, tests and trials. Probably I would say Romans 8.28 is the one people would quote the most, that God causes all things to work together for good to those yes. who love him and are called according to his purpose. Um, have you ever been in the middle of something saying, I don't know if I'm going to get through this? That was the First 1 Corinthians 10.13 verse. No temptation has taken you, but it's common to men. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted above what you can handle. He will make a way of escape. And then I would say the next one that I use the most is fear and anxiety verses. (laughs) Uh, Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Uh, 2 Timothy 1, seven. you you've not received a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Uh, temptation verses, next page is just some that we obviously need. I, I quoted some. Uh, I quoted the one, uh, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. You know, be angry and sin not. I have a whole bunch of those. Let me just give you one that I quote a lot of times because God gave it to me one time when I was struggling with evil thoughts It's uh, it's Hebrews one nine. He says, you have hated iniquity and loved righteousness. Therefore, the Lord has raised you up. And and I said, Lord, how do I quote that? He says, because you're in me now and your new nature hates sin and loves righteousness. And I know that had a powerful impact on my life because it was not just a, a quote. It was an identity. I am a person who hates wickedness. Because my mind was telling me maybe I don't, you know? but my heart says I know who I am, and God spoke that verse to me, and it it broke me out of out of some traps, you know. Verses about faith with God, all things are possible. These are examples that I wanted to uh, to mention. I put it like this: If you memorize verses, they will be a megaphone that God will speak through in your life. <laughs> I promise you, you will hear God more than you're hearing him. Every time you get another memorized verse, you'll wake up in the night. God will speak it to you over and over. Um, This other point I, I mentioned is that beyond memorizing knowing scriptures, it is very important that we begin to develop what I call a biblical worldview. And. I think it was so important. And, and it kind of gets to me because, you know, people that nowadays, they just want you to give them simple little phrases, you know, kind of like fortune cookie ideas. Give me a good thought rather than take me through the book of Romans, you know. Uh, they would like to just give me a good sugar cookie out of Philippians or something. And, uh, but can I tell you... That to really accurately hear from God, you need to be thoroughly equipped in your soul to know the, the depths of the Word of God in its, in its fullness. Because otherwise, you'll find that the ideas of this world, the philosophy, the, the beliefs that are just being poured into us, You know, Gallup studies say right now, less than 20% of Christians have a worldview that's biblical. Do they believe Jesus died? Yes. But they probably also believe in reincarnation and they believe uh, in a million other things of society teaching them. You see, from the very beginning, what is Satan's number one weapon? What was the first thing? He shows up in the garden. He says, hath God said, (laughs) you know, did God really say in other words, from the very beginning, his number one attack is to get you to question the veracity of God. You know, the, uh, the thing I, I said recently was there are many people in America that 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 say they're spiritual, but not many of them are biblical. <laughs> So they grab a little bit from Oprah and a little bit from whatever new age guy they listen to. A little Tony Robbins and a little over here. It's all, most of it's all good. But when it's together, oftentimes there's not the depth of the word to it. And uh, it can easily lead you to begin to, you know, to be open to ideas. And that's what we're seeing so often with our youth these days. With my kids growing up, I said, I know this is hard, but we're, gonna, we're not going to just read the fun stories, David and Goliath. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what justification by faith is. <laughs> and I, I, you need to not just have a, a hip-hop, secular, I love Jesus, Christianity. You need to have depth. You need to have understanding and truth at the core of your being. So when I talk about a biblical worldview, I'm talking about you don't interpret the scriptures in light of your experience or feelings. You interpret your experiences and feelings in the light of the scripture. You don't simply accept a belief. You even, some things you might swallow and say, I don't understand that. But rather than you know, rather than saying, I'm going to reinvent my belief system according to how I feel. Mm-hmm. You know, this whole idea of, a, how do you say it? epistemology. It's the science of knowing. How do you know something? And today, people mostly know it by their feelings or my intuition. Uh, my gut, I feel it this way. Or, 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 or the culture says this. It just makes sense to me. And as a result, they are led astray. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see it so well in marriage. I'm going to be preaching on marriage why, why so few marriages work? Well, uh, you know, the language of, of relationship is based on, I feel this, where's romantic? Yeah, but what what is the true foundation, you know? And so, understanding that we need to do what Jesus did, we need a thorough gro- grounding of the word if we're going to hear accurately. I like this verse in Colossians uh, 3.16. It says, and I'm reading it from the Amplified Version. Let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you, dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of your being as you teach spiritual things and admonish and train one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and spiritual songs with thanksgiving and thankfulness in your heart uh, to God. But I just love that. Let the Word of God just start to saturate you, to anchor you, to go to the very core of your being. And and I, I hope that many of you will uh, take on the challenge. In a couple weeks, I'll talk about how to teach an in-depth, inductive Bible study. And wouldn't it be great if many of you would just begin to have a, somebody you study the Bible with? And you just really dig in there and get the... the the fullness of that. So what I want to say now, the last part of this section is how do you, how do you hear God through his word beyond studying the scripture, beyond understanding it, you learn how to let the scripture go from your head to your heart Mm -hmm. through praying, meditating, contemplating and articulating the scripture Um, And this is where I said last time, you know, we're kind of approaching this from all the different elements, you know. There's the evangelical, there's the charismatic, and they all have. But again, I've been studying some of the church fathers and the monastic movement. And this is where they really, uh, really have taught me a lot of things about not just memorizing scriptures. I, I used to win the, uh, the Bible drills all the time, you know, because I wanted the candy, but I didn't have any life change just because I could find any verse in the Bible. Yeah. How does it go from your head to your heart? How does the word of Christ dwell in you? So uh, Psalm 51, six says, I desire truth in your inward parts and in the hidden part is where I want to make you know wisdom. I want, I want to permeate your soul with this scripture. I want it to go deep. The church fathers had a practice called uh, Lectio Divina, a process of praying the scriptures that took it from information to rev- revelation from our heads to our heart through a process of praying the word. It begins with, like I said, a clear understanding. And, and I, I'll come back to this. But but there's two big words in Bible interpretation. Just, just hear it now. We'll go into later. Exegesis and hermeneutics. Exegesis is how you examine a verse and its historical literary context. But hermeneutics is how you interpret the scripture. And what you see today, for example, in liberal church, there's just all kinds of ways people interpret. You see feminism interpretation of the Bible. You see liberalism, which is, oh, the Bible's just stories of justice to tell us how to fight for this, you see. But, but the way that Jesus interpreted the Bible, I call it the, the uh, Christology. Jeez, the Bible is the story of Jesus from Genesis to Revelation, <laughs> How do you understand the Bible? The Bible's about Jesus. Even the Old Testament was about what Jesus would do. And we're going to look at that. But in John five thirty nine, Jesus told the Pharisees, the reason that you are missing what the Bible means is you read all these scriptures, but the scriptures are telling you about me. And you won't come to me. And, and therefore, though you have all this head knowledge, you don't have me In in the passage in Luke 24, um, why does he go through the whole Bible with those guys? He said to them this, the next page, it says, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me (laughs) in the law of Moses, in the prophets, in the Psalms. He said, every verse in the Bible is about me. So how do you know if you're reading the Bible right? It'll always tell the gospel story. So you read the book of Jonah. He gets swallowed by the well. What's the real meaning of that? Jesus is going to be cast on behalf of all of us for our sin. And he's going to be in the belly of the ground for three days. And then he's going to rise again. (laughs) But every story is about Jesus. And when we see him, we begin to understand the richness of the word of God in a deeper way. But the second part of it, not only do we have an objective view of the Bible, But we begin to read the Bible from our heart. I like someone said it this way. Don't read the Bible as a picture. Read it as a window and a mirror. It's not just something to to investigate. It's something to see through and see God. And it's something for God to shine back on you. Probably the most important way I could say this is How do you know if the Bible is really coming deep enough to where you'll hear God on a regular basis? I like to say it this way. It's when you don't just read the Bible, but the Bible starts to read you. And as you're reading the Bible, God's speaking to you about your mail. He's speaking to you about your stuff. It's when you open the door for God's revelation to become personal and deep uh, in your life. And it happens through these means. Through prayer, through meditation, contemplation, articulation. I, I, I like another way to see it is, how, how do you read the Bible? Well, read it. you read it as a love letter. <laughs> Hi, Father. Today I'm going to see the words of love of the greatest lover who ever lived. What do you want to say to me, Father? You know, um, I like to say it. You, you see the Bible as not just the end in itself. And 1 Corinthians 8, it says a lot of people have knowledge. Knowledge just puffs you up and makes you proud. It's not knowledge about God. It's God knowing you and God searching your heart that changes you. It's God looking through the scripture. and You can see God's looking at something in your life. And you say, yes, God, change that. Yes, God, that needs you. Yes, God. Oh, that's how you see me. It's the mirror of God. And so you let the word of God take you before the Lord, so that He speaks to you through the Holy Spirit. Here's some ways we can do it. Number one, I just want to challenge you today: learn how to pray the Word. Pray it. Uh, Mark Batterson, and I I want to read this quote too. I thought it was really good. He says, "Prayer was never meant to be a monologue; it was meant to be a dialogue. Think of Scripture as God's part of the script, and prayer is our part. Scripture is God's way of initiating a conversation. Prayer is our response. The paradigm shift happens when you realize the Bible wasn't meant to be read through. Read through. The Bible was meant to be prayed through. And if you pray through it, you will never run out of things to talk about. Uh, some of you got the sword of the spirit uh, that Sephora uses. Jesus. What, what's so life-changing about that is it just took all these scriptures and it just turned them into prayers. And, and when, you just, when you just learn to articulate, you know, so just give you this morning's, if, you're, if some of us are going through the chronological Bible together, and so this morning was uh, Moses in the burning bush, and God called Moses, and, uh, and Moses feels so weak and completely unqualified. Mm-hmm. And God says, I know I'm going to put the words in your heart. So I begin to talk to God like this. God, can I just tell you all the ways I feel unqualified to do what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have so many doubts. I get so discouraged. I just told God all of my weaknesses, and, and then I said, God, would you speak to me like you did Moses? And I could just hear the Lord say, yes, I, Dale, I chose you, and I am that I am, and I am enough for you. And, and, and even though you're just a bush, don't worry, the fire of God is on you. <laughs> even though you are a bush, when the Spirit's on you, you are a light and a witness, and you're going you're to change the world. It just began to encourage me because I just took time to pray through that chapter, and uh, it had a whole other effect on my life. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. You know, the Holy Spirit is there. Here's a few things that the Holy Spirit says he will do. He will testify of Jesus. John 15, 26, he will guide you into all truth, and he will tell you things to come. And it's just amazing if you really invite the Holy Spirit into, into your scripture reading, you'll, you'll feel him. You'll feel God talking to you as though God and you were just all alone in a room, and those words were God talking straight to you. And that's what completely changes our lives. The next word is to meditate. What does that mean? Slow down. And a lot of times in our culture, everything just goes so fast that we just skim the surface. And this is probably the hardest part in American culture. Do we even have time to go deeper? And the word meditate is, of course, you've heard like a cow chewing its cud. You know, chew it, swallow it, regurgitate it, chew it some more. Take deep time with a word. Take one word at a time and let it speak to you personally. Um, David would say, I love your law and I meditate on it day and night. Um this one nun named Madame Guyon wrote if you read the Bible quickly it will benefit you a little you will be like a bee that merely skims the surface of a flower but plunge deeply within and remove the deepest nectar and that's what David would say he says your word is like honey I'm just I'm just I'm just tasting it and I'm swallowing it and I'm just savoring it and I'm just I'm just letting it just completely get a hold of my heart. Um, The word contemplate is a real interesting word. It has to do with imagination. And and can I tell you one of the most powerful ways for the word to go deeper is put yourself in the story. And of course, what what I'm loving about watching The Chosen and stuff, it's helping a lot of people see the story a little bit more uh, realistic, but... But if I'm there and they're, they're about to stone the lady caught in adultery, I'm just imagining myself and, and there's the rocks and I'm sweating and it's quiet and it's awkward and I'm holding a stone. and what, what did it feel like? And wow, would I have thrown the stone? Where would I have been in that story? You know, and, and, and just trying to uh, use your imagination. Here's a quote by A.W. Tozer, I like. He says, I long to see imagination released from its prison and given its proper place among the sons of the new creation. What I am trying to describe here is the sacred gift of seeing, the ability to peer beyond the veil and gaze with astonished wonder upon the beauties and mysteries of things holy and eternal. One, One of the things I say about imagination is Jesus... He emphasized the power of imagination in a very negative way. Remember what he said? He says, if you look on a woman to lust after your heart, you've committed adultery. What he's saying is, when your imagination gets a hold of something, you create something inside of your life. Mm -hmm. And if it's the wrong thing, you create seeds of of lust and dysfunction, and you multiply uh, the brokenness of your heart. Mm -hmm. But if you turn it around... (laughs) And in your heart, you imagine loving and giving your life and surrender and being with God and and having that conversation God's way instead of the way you just had it. And if you really give your mind to think through the revelation of Scripture and imagine yourself that way, what would I look like? If I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, can I imagine myself going to work tomorrow, being able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Can I put into my soul a different way of viewing possibilities uh, in my life? And then, of course, finally, is just this idea of applying it, taking action. I, I like the word "act." Asking, what action will I take from this word? What changes will I make? And what teaching can I share from this that might help a friend that I know? Um, if you want to look at the other paper on your table, the, the soap on it, and it has John three sixteen. If you just pass that out, this was a little exercise that I wanted to uh, to invite you to do. I wanted us to just take this very familiar verse, John 3, 16. And, and I wanted us just to go through a, an experiment of meditating on a verse. This model of SOAP is something that we've taught here for many years. And literally, if you were to look at my journal, I'll have S-O-A-P. So what does that mean? It's like S is a scripture. So if I read three chapters... I'm saying, what is the one verse that stood out the most to me? And I write that scripture out at the top. S stands for scripture. So in this case, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know? Because you can't meditate on three chapters. <laughs> so you just see what your spirit is telling you. This verse is, uh, is standing out to me. The the O stands for observation. Then you just look at it and you say, uh, what can I observe about a passage? And and again, it's like, you know, you're like Sherlock Holmes. You're looking for clues. Who, what, why, when, where, how come? You know, do your best four-year-old question scheme, you know. But why, but why, but why? You know, the whole thing. Um, So just for example, in this passage, you look at the verse before I put those below like the serpent that was put up on the uh, up on the pole. And Moses said, if you're dying of a snake bite, go look at that pole and you'll be healed. And so that's a great one to use your imagination. You're in your tent and you're dying because you've been bit by a rattlesnake. And someone says, hey, Moses put a bronze serpent up on a pole out there, and if you'll just go look at it, you'll be healed. You know, and what would that be like? And did some people just stay in their tent because they didn't believe it? And you know, kind of thing. And then you just begin to observe: who is he talking to? He's talking to Nicodemus, and who is that? And why? What would that mean to him? And you just kind of think about, it, and you just observe, and you, and then of course the A just stands for for the application. The greatest question. I love to ask is how could my life be different because of what I've learned in this verse? What what could I start to do today? Do I love like God loves? What would it look like for me to love that much? So let me just take you through a minute of meditating on, on this scripture and then have you just write down anything that comes to your mind and just Let's just see if around the table the Holy Spirit doesn't speak something to us uh, as we just meditate on this verse. So let's just close our eyes and, and ponder this. Lord, I thank you so much that God so loved God, the greatest person, the king of the universe, the one who rules the billions and billions of galaxies so loved to the greatest expression of love that ever has been known in the history of humankind. And he loved the world. He didn't love just righteous people. He didn't just love those who deserve love. He loved the whole world with no exceptions. He knew everything about everyone. He knows every secret I have. He knows every secret of my enemies. He knows the whole scope. And yet he gave. He gave in an act of selflessness. He valued us above his own son. He so cares about us. He had such compassion for us that he gave his son. What was it like to watch your son die, Jesus? What did you feel, Father? What went through your mind? The sacrifice, the nails, the crown of thorns, the blasphemy, the spitting upon him, the stripping, the curse. What did you feel, Father? Jesus, what were you thinking about? What does that tell you? What does that tell me about myself, about how I should think? How how does that speak to enemies in my life or impossible situations? How does that change my future and my destiny? That whoever, that's anyone, no exceptions, even on death row, it's never too late. Whoever believes, what does that mean to believe, Lord, to fully trust in that story of the serpent? They just looked. They just took your word for it. There was no earning it, there was no proving it, there was simply believing and trusting. I wonder if there's any area of my life that that I need to believe and completely trust in you. This verse says, you did not come to condemn the world, but you did all of this so that the world could be saved. Lord, is there a part of my life right now that I'm feeling condemned, that I don't measure up? Is there some way I don't believe that what you did for me is enough to really qualify me? I I may need your help, Lord, to not give in to lies of unworthiness and doubt. Whosoever will not perish, Lord, I need to know that I'm not going to the end of my life is not going to be a death but that I'm going to have everlasting life, that the very best is yet to come, that I have a certain hope and future that I will not miss out on anything. I don't have to live by fear. My life is bigger and better than that. And so, Lord, in the presence of your word, would you speak to me today? Would you just speak to me? Show me a way that I could be different today. Show me a way that... Lord, that I could love more like you, that I could experience the grace that this verse talks about. Just speak to me, Lord, I'm listening. Thank you, Lord. And then just, so just take a moment and as you're listening, just write a prayer. That's kind of what I wanted you to do is to take that paper and just write a prayer based on this uh, verse. Just start out however you would, dear Lord Jesus. Thank you. And then as you write, just see if there's a question he doesn't put in your heart or a thought that he doesn't drop into your mind that the Holy Spirit would speak to you today about. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pastor Dale Walker's Leadership Podcast. Please stay tuned for future episodes and remember to follow us on all our social media platforms you can find more information about our courses events and other leadership resources on our website at hftw.church may god bless you and have a great day